Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, in part two of our season review stroke preview, we look at the fortunes of VfB Stuttgart, VfL Bochum, and we speak to Mara Pfeiffer, an expert in all things Mainz 05. All of this and not that much more in part two of the Beer and Honey season review preview. Hello, dear listener. I'm Rafael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we welcome you back to another edition of the Beer and Honey season preview stroke review, where we look back at the fortunes of 20 teams, uh, the 18 involved in the last season, plus the new newly promoted sides that will join us in 23-24. We have a very special guest in Mara Pfeiffer to join us later on. But first of all, Christoph, let's start with a team that is very close to your heart. That is, of course, Union Berlin. The amazing Union Berlin that keep confounding expectations, uh, first going up, then staying up, then getting into the Europa League and now getting into the Champions League. Have you run out of nice things to say about them, considering what a fantastic season they had last year? I mean, I can repeat them again and again. <laughs> And I think uh, it, it's fair to do this. Uh, um, for me, uh, Urs Fischer is uh, um, the coach of the season because um, uh, to to bring a, a team uh, like Union Berlin to to the Champions League is an achievement. Yeah, I mean that leaves me almost speechless still. And uh, also, most of the people around the club. So it's uh, it's it's still a sense of bewilderment, surprise, uh, disbelief, and, and whatever. And yes, um, Union was also a bit lucky, probably very lucky. I don't I don't know how, how you see it. Uh, I think it's an interesting discussion when you. I mean, we, we 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 here and then we talk about expected goals, expected points, and 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 what they mean. Union got, I think, 18 points more out um, than normally the distribution of goal chances uh, would have suggested. So what would you say? Were they lucky? Were they effective? Is that down to their playing style? What is it? All of the above, I think. Um, Union have been a byword for being efficient, which of course is a nice way of saying they don't create many chances, but they do take them. So is is that lucky? Um, maybe yes, but it's also quality, I think, to be able to absorb pressure and to maximize your output from from fewer situations. You, you need to be quite uh, strong mentally to defend, to be able to stick in games even when you don't have real control and often Union uh, try to make the game a little bit um, I don't want to say negative but they try to negate the opposition's strength and start from, from that basis and they do it better than most sides uh, in the league 
their style has evolved. They're not just a route one team that we saw in the first Bundesliga season. It's a much more cultured approach. They have real nice width. They have good pace up front. They're a really good counter-attacking team. But it is still a team based on doggedness, on spirit, and on being able to yeah, maximize the, your opportunities. Um, and I think that's admirable. And I wouldn't uh, ever disrespect them for that. But of course, it makes games slightly more dependent on, you can call it luck or you can call it on the ability to finish because the more chances you create, and that's really what XG is also telling us, uh, the higher probability of of scoring, if you only create uh, a couple of really good chances each game, then you better take them. Uh, but Union have done so, and I think they've been super impressive relative to what they put on the pitch. They are still not blessed with amazing amounts of creativity or, or depth in the squad compared to some of the other sides. What I found interesting when, when we look uh, back on, on this season, um, before this World Cup break, um, Union um, fell back to the fifth place. Um, they had been on top of the table for quite a while. They had been in the Champions League uh, places um, for most of the time. And, um, and then um, you could say, If you're a club of the size of Union, you could say, hey, we're super happy. Maybe we're playing international football again and, and so. But what they did, um, they signed two players and they even want to uh, sign a third one. Uh, uh, just to remember this crazy Isco story uh, where they were short of um, signing this player from Real Madrid who had won uh, the Champions League uh, five times. But what they did is um, they invested money into signing Jerome Roussillon who came from uh, Wolfsburg and Josip uh, Juranovic from um, Celtic Glasgow, um, a, a Croatian who had played uh, for Croatia um, at the World Cup. So um, both uh, players um, that cost some money, that brought in extra quality that the team needed. And what we can see here is, I think, is or what we can learn here is a, a lot about the thinking Uh, that is around Union Berlin. The club is led by um, a businessman, Dirk Zingler, who runs a um, logistic company. And he runs the club like a company. And, and what he does is he's, he, um, he's tr uh, constantly uh, trying to invest on and make the club better. And, um, and uh, I think we will see something similar in um, in summer and investing not means uh, spending crazy money also um, but also taking uh, risk uh, risks that you um, that are not too risky to 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 bring the the club in danger but give you the chance to de develop further and and when we see now what they they are rumors and and I think it's more than rumors and Union wants to sign Robin Gosens uh, from Inter Mailand um, from Inter Milan 
uh, next uh, for next season. I don't know if that will happen, but they are um, constantly thinking big. And I think that is also part of the explanation of the success story. And how do you think the Champions League will impact then uh, next season as far as the team's ability to focus, uh, to concentrate? So, of course, they have European experience already. It's not new, but I think we've seen in the past sometimes the Champions League uh, with the big names uh, can take away a little bit of that uh, concentration and maybe also... Uh, physical exertion when when you know you have Real Madrid uh, on a Tuesday and then it's just a regular game uh, a few days later. Um, I, I wouldn't uh, uh, think so much about the physical side because I think they they are very good in this. Union, for example, was the team that had the lowest number um, of injuries. So um, uh, uh, there is a blogger who is, is keeping track on this and it's very interesting. Um, he, he is he's, uh, looking how many days players are missing. And of course, that has to do also with luck uh, that you don't pick up a big injury. But very often, it also has to do a lot with preparation. And uh, so um, I think they will be uh, uh, very well prepared for the, um, from, from the physical side for, for the Champions League and the Bundesliga. But I think it's different. I mean, they have playing international football now for two seasons. Uh, and it's different... When you play on a Thursday in Malmö and then you go on a Sunday to Mönchengladbach, let's say, eh, maybe still it's the, the Mönchengladbach uh, match is bigger. It, it, it feels bigger. But what if, as you said, you're playing Real Madrid on a, on a, on a uh, Tuesday or so, and then on Friday you have to go to Bochum or to Darmstadt or so. I think there the gap can create something in the head. And um, and I think that's a, the, the, the main problem. Um, on the other side, uh, um, Urs Fischer, is, um, he has been in, in the Champions League, not as a player, but as a coach for FC Basel. And I think he knows about it, um, although the situation in Switzerland was different because at that time, Uh, Basel was the big team, and uh, I think they could could play um, uh, their league games with a lesser formation uh, when they had a, uh, a Champions League match in the week. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see, um, uh, uh, especially how the psychological impact is 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 working on the team. Um, Christoph, for a, for, for a club like uh, Union, when they play so well, uh, there's inevitable a danger that uh, their best players will be picked off. Do you think we'll see some of the, the players that w played so well for uh, Union, especially up front, uh, leave this summer? I expect Geraldo Becker, uh, the Dutch um, uh, a striker, to, to leave. I think there might be or should be interest uh, from the Premier League. And so he would go a similar path like Taivo Avoni, um, who in the, in the end uh, proved to be very successful at Nottingham Forest. And um, so um, I think um, we, we, will, we will see 
in the in the weeks to come, uh, I think a lot of shoving around in the in the squad, uh, players coming, players leaving. I mean, uh, almost every season we we had a, a had a huge turnover of players coming and going at Union. I think it's almost part of the philosophy, and and I think there will uh, there will be more to come. And before we move on to uh, another team in this preview, what do you think? Will be Union's chances next year as far as consolidating themselves? Is it inevitable that they will have perhaps a poorer season in the Bundesliga because of the Champions League excitement? Or can they target the top four again? I would doubt it. Um, I would doubt that they um, that they uh, could um, return to the uh, to the Champions League spots again next season. But I think um, they could have a chance to be around the European places, maybe not for, for the Champions League, but Europa League, maybe Conference League and so on. Maybe they pick a good cup run, something something like this. But I think everybody at Union is prepared uh, for a season that is not as good as uh, uh, the ones in, in, in the past because, I mean, it's it's so obvious. You, <laughs> you can't... You can't It can't get better every year, and 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 now they had five seasons in the row where each season was better than the one before. I mean, if if we continue like this, they will win the what, what will they win the club World Cup in three years or so? <laughs> so <laughs> no, so so I I think um, that they will have a um, worse season soon, maybe already next one, the next one. Well, one team who really shouldn't have a worse season as uh, than the one they had last year is Stuttgart because they left it really late. They needed the relegation playoff spot against Hamburg to survive, but they still go into this new season with some good momentum because under Sebastian Hoeneß, the travel that the direction of travel has been very positive. He's been getting good results The team seemed to respond to him. The, the fans have also, which is not always the case in Stuttgart, rallied behind the team. And it feels a lot quieter in the club as it has done in recent years as a result. So, first of all, looking back at this performance, at this season, did Stuttgart get lucky? that they found themselves against Hamburg or should they have never really been in that position in the first spot as a side that have real quality, especially up front? I, I think that's the other th uh, side of the coin. Um, we talked about being uh, Union lucky or if, if, if efficient. And now we can talk about uh, Stuttgart, were they unlucky or were they inefficient? Um, it's so that's still, still decided. Um, I would say that they were very unlucky. Um, and I would also say that everything, not everything, but a lot of stuff that has been talked about Stuttgart is full of false na na narratives. Um, I mean, this. Um, there has been a criticism towards the team that, yeah, it's uh, it, and the the criticism is is especially against the former sports director, 
as Sven Wislintat, bringing in all these yeah, highly talented players from France and, and Portugal and, and so on, but they're not having a, a core of the team. To, uh, so they were too young, too many foreign players and, and so on and so on. And I think it's complete rubbish. Because when you look at the squad, when you look at the team, it's just a very good team. And 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 when you look at the um, um, at uh, at the the transfers that were made um, in the last two years, I think it's just excellent. Or or or, or um, Am I too positive about it? It's always, I think, difficult when you have lots of young players, lots of foreign players to create that kind of cohesion and consistency that you need. But the talent, the level of quality that they have is, is I think, easily good enough for mid-table. And that's why I think in the end they, they got the results that they perhaps should have had uh, much earlier. Uh, you wrote in your book, uh, in one of your books, uh, Christoph, I think that managers, sometimes they're just like talisman figures. They're just voodoo figures who change the luck from uh, a team that is already doing badly uh, and maybe need, need something different. Or in this case, a team that was doing well, but didn't get the results that they should have had. Um, and Sebastian Hoeneß. Uh, just by virtue of, of being somebody different, seems to have changed the the course of, of luck for Stuttgart. But I, I would I would I would totally disagree. Okay, I I, I think um, he was um, the luckiest man this season in the Bundesliga because um, the last six matches. Um, seven matches um, where uh, Bruno Labbadia was coach. Uh, Seru Girassi, I think he was the most important player for, for Stuttgart this season. He played 22 games, he scored 11 goals, a lot of them uh, winning points. And he was missing in six of the seven games. And he came only in on the seventh in the last game of of, um, of him at, as a coach in Stuttgart as a substitute. And during that, that period in seven games, um, Stuttgart only picked up uh, four points. And with Gerasi returning to the team, um, the first game was 1-3-2 in, in Bochum. And who scored the decisive goal? It, it was Gerasi. And uh, and I I think um, yeah Bruno Labbadia was unlucky to miss his most important player. I think yeah we can say um, uh, Bruno Labbadia is very conventional coach. He is the, the 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 guy you bring in when you have trouble and 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 so on. And he is not very inspirational. We can but but I think if he would have uh, Girassi in his team, um, he wouldn't have been sacked. <laughs> and and, uh, and Hoeneß came in just in the right moment um, to, to get this, this player back and starts winning. Mm, okay. Mm. So just a, a guy at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And, and also coming back to, to, to this transfer policy. Um, yes, um, They, they lost quality um, 
in the last two seasons. But uh, when you lo look up uh, the the investment uh, in the last two uh, seasons, they bought players for 15 million each season. But before this season, they sold players for um, 53 million and uh, the season before for 41 million. So I think it's it's uh, no surprise that you lose some some kind of quality and uh, and still I, I I still think it's a it's a very very decent team with players like Enzo Mio, uh, for example, where we can uh, expect a lot from in in the future and. Uh, um, but let's see which narratives we have to tell next season about them. Yeah. So you, you'd expect them to be much more comfortable in the league? Yeah, I, I don't know how, how you, you see it, um, but, but um, I think we both agree that they, they are better uh, than their um, positioning in the table would suggest. And I think we will um, see them climb up the table next season. How far? Hmm? Let's see, um, but um, and also we, we we have to wait um, what the changes will be for the for the uh, club. Um, will they, for example, sell Sosa? There are other players where where clubs are interested in Mio, for example. I mean, I think he is um, still a steal for a big club. Um, that wants to get him. Uh, you need some patience with him. So I think from, uh, from his perspective, it would be better to stay another season or probably two in Stuttgart to develop, to learn more and so on. But um, I see uh, him as a top-class player in the future. Okay. Uh, that brings us to our special guest and our third team that we will discuss today. It's Mainz 05 and there is no better person with the possible exception of Jürgen Klopp to discuss Mainz with than Mara Pfeiffer. Christoph, you'll do the honors. Yeah, um, we are very happy to have Mara Pfeiffer here uh, today on our show. She is a journalist, blogger, vlogger, podcaster and book author. Uh, her podcast Früh, that's an acronym for Frauen reden über Fußball, uh, women talk about football, was um, awarded the Golden Blogger for Best Sports Blog in to, uh, 2019. She writes a lot about Mainz 05, and we will talk about Mainz 05 with her, uh, and also blogs about the club. And uh, we would like to recommend her fantastic book about Wolfgang Frank, Der Fußballrevolutionär, the football revolutionary uh, that came out last year. And it's great because it's a book about a coach that is not very well known even in Germany. He is a kind of coach's coach uh, in the sense that um, artists talk about artists, artists or directors about di uh, directors, directors. So very influential for many uh, managers in, in, in German football especially for Jürgen Klopp. And uh, so uh, if, if you can read in German, it's, it's not translated into English yet. Um, uh, grab it, read it. It's, it's fantastic. So uh, we're happy to have you here, Mara. Hello. Uh, Mara, what kind of season was this for Mainz? It looked at some stage as if they would be 
struggling a little bit. Then it looked as if they might finish in Europe. Then towards the end of the season, they had a pretty ropey last few games before that final game, of course, which was quite dramatic. And in the end, they're bang in the middle of the table, ninth. Do you feel, especially in light of the success of teams like Union Berlin and Freiburg, that this was a missed opportunity in some ways for this side? Mm, hard to say, really. Um, I think if you uh, look uh, at teams like uh, Union Berlin, which you just mentioned, of course, uh, they have been together in the constellation they are now for a longer time than Mainz. And um, if you keep in mind um, uh, that only two and a half seasons ago, um, coach Bo Svensson, Christian Heidel and Martin Schmidt returned to Mainz and Mainz was really in a great danger of being relegated. Um, I think um, there has been um, quite, um, well, you can see how they're evolving as a team. And of course, um, if in a season, and really it's the second season in a row, you're so close to going to Europe because last year there was that one game you know if you look back on the season uh, in Cologne uh, you were leading 2-0 and then you lost 2-3 and then this year you had the game uh, against Eintracht Frankfurt and there's this one match where you can look back on and say well maybe if that would have gone differently but as a whole I think they have stabilized and it's I know some fans don't like to hear that, but I think it's a season you can build on in the next one. What do you think needs to happen for Mainz to have a bit more consistency? They, they had this really good run, as we said, in the second half of the season, but then they had this, this terrible run towards the end where they lost four in a row, uh, some of those games quite heavily. Uh, are these fluctuations normal for a mid-table team? Is there anything they can they can do differently within the existing setup to find more consistency? Mm, I think there's um, a couple of uh, things to consider if you talk about consistency. Um, it's been a big topic around Mainz um, in that last season once again. And um, I think a lot of people tend to say they're not consistent because they have those phases and they have better phases and phases in which they're worse. But really, there's some, if you look closer, there's some consistency within that because they're not a team that wins a game, loses a game, loses a second game, wins a game. They have these clear phases. So what I think they need to do for the next season is in the phases in which they drop, do not drop as low as they did at the end of the season and try to lengthen the phases in which they really succeed and if you look at the past season and you see how in the winter break they really made strong additions to the team um, that helped them and the second half of the season was uh, much better than the first half of the season if you just look at the points um, so I really think uh, the improvement um, has already started in that second part of the uh, in that second part of the season and um, they can build on that um, I think what's crucial is um, if they will be able to keep uh, all what you would say the key players in the summer which a lot of times a team like Mainz Nullfünf will not, so there has probably to be the one or other uh, addition for the next season. But that 
really is about it. I think um, the way Bo Svensson uh, looks at the game and um, lets the team play is really a perfect fit for Mainz. To put maybe a positive slant on, on the season, which by definition you can't really quite easily categorize because it finished uh, right in the middle between good or bad. Uh, good and bad, though, the points were perhaps cl much closer to a European success than, than relegation. Is it maybe good news that the Bo Svensson hype wasn't dialed up a bit more because that makes uh, this summer and next season um, a, a quieter place to be as far as uh, him staying and the uh, a good chance that there's not going to be upheaval because his, his stock is maybe not quite as high as it would have been if he'd only picked up four or five more points. Mm, I want to say three things to that. First, I really think if you look at the teams that got relegated and the big names that the league is losing, um, there is a quite positive touch to the season. You know, as uh, Mainz 05, you never had anything to do uh, with, you know, looking down the table. You were like safe uh, on on all um, the match games, on all the match days. So that really is a positive thing. Um, then uh, talking about Bo Svensson and the question about the hype, I I think if Bo Svensson was doing the job he's doing in Mainz in a club that's a little bit more in the focus, the hype would, you know, be through the roof already because he's doing a great job. And um, the third thing, um, I think Bo Svensson will be the perfect fit for Mainz as long as he's hungry for working for the club. When the moment arrives and someday it will arrive when he looks in his heart and finds I want to do something different then that's the point where you have to let him go but I think a hype around his person is not something that will you know take him away from the club. Uh, we know of course that uh, Mainz coaches have a fantastic reputation especially when Christian Heidel is there. He discovered or uncovered Jürgen Klopp. He discovered Thomas Tuchel and in Bo Svensson, I think that's someone that a lot of people believe he might be destined to one day hit similar heights. But uh, as you said, that day uh, hasn't come yet. And maybe it's it's good for minds that the attention isn't quite as centered uh, on him yet. Um, you talked about his fantastic work Can you perhaps sum up after a few years with different coaches and a kind of a up and down and maybe the fear that Mainz had lost a little bit its sense of direction and what made it quite unique as a, as a club in connection with the fans in the city, how him and Christian Heidel and uh, Schmidt perhaps as well have been able to recreate that uh, Mainz vibe of old that used to be one of the big reasons why they were successful, so successful under Klopp and, and Tuchel. I think a lot of clubs in the league by now talk about themselves being familiar. You know, they have that sense of familiarity. And um, for a club the size of Mainz, it's really important to know your identity. Um, and for me, 
a big part of that identity. You know how the uh, the youth, uh, the U19, uh, they they won the league this season. So um, you have to look um, at how the club is built from the bottom up. And in Mainz, you don't only have um, great uh, a great work with the young players, but you also have a great work with the coaches. And I think that's really essential. And if you look at Bo Svensson, he was not only a player, which of course makes him understand the identity of the club very well, but he was also a youth coach and a very successful one at that, because that's why he got um, you know um, an offer from another club to leave Mainz and um, there's a little tendency um, to overlook Martin Schmidt um, but he also was a youth coach at Mainz 05 before he became uh, the coach of the first team. Uh, he had a lot to do uh, with uh, taking Thomas Tuchel into the club and so I think um, the coach being the center of it all really is a huge part of the identity at Mainz 05. And um, that is, of course, something that uh, Christian Heidel established and that he understands probably better than anyone else. And um, there was with Sandro Schwarz, another coach that came out of the club and that maybe could have gone um, a similar way uh, than the other ones did. But it was at a time where there was a lot of pressure from the outside onto the club because people thought they have been in the first league for such a long time. We need more involvement. They need to go to Europe. But for Mainz 05, it's still a success to have nothing to do with relegation and to have people leading the club understanding this is key really and what's next for this uh, minds team do you anticipate any interesting arrivals do we see one or two key players perhaps leaving as is often the case with clubs of minds sizes that they uh, have to sell one or two players uh, each season to balance the book and to also make way for, for, for new and younger players. What kind of changes to the squad do you think we will see and where will that leave minds as far as the next season is concerned? Well, something that uh, Christian Heidel emphasized at the end of the season when he talked to the media was, uh, it's a sentence he likes to repeat, we do not have to sell anyone. You know, it's all optional. And that for a club of the size of Mainz is really astonishing in itself. Um, of course, uh, you have players like Leandro Barrero, who played especially a fantastic second half of the season, uh, where you have to wait and see which offers may arrive and if um, the club decides okay that is such a big amount of money we will let him go and of course um, the players themselves have uh, a say in it um, but there's really no financial pressure to sell players um, if you look at a player like Aaron Martin um, they could have sold him in the winter and um, still got a little money out of him but they decided no we want to have him until the end of his contract and if he leaves after that and we don't get any money that's all right and then they sat together at the end of the season and decided no okay we'll part ways um I think uh, it's it's really important um, that players like uh, Karim Onisivo, he already uh, extended his contract. It'll be interesting to see um, what they will do on the uh, position of the goalkeeper. Um, Robin Zentner has uh, beaten um, 
the other uh, goalkeepers for uh, quite some seasons now but um, now that Finn Dahmen has left uh, the club and uh, gone to Augsburg um, there's uh, gonna be well probably an addition to the uh, squad and it'll be interesting if he'll be uh, second or third um, but it's only really details and um, I think uh, again if you if you look at uh, the additions they made in the winter um, with uh, Hanko Olsen and Ajok um, that's the kind of play that can really make a difference in Mainz, but uh, the squad as it is right now uh, could really go into the next season and uh, there had to be no hesitation. Macher, Mainz is seen by some fans as a kind of boring club. I think you would completely disagree. Uh, um, but but why, why does it, where does it come from? And uh, is it in some way justified uh, that the perception of this club is, is like this? Well, personally, I think every club is boring if you don't, you know, have the club uh, at heart. I mean, um, I really, that's a discussion um, I, I have uh, problems uh, grasping. I, I read it a lot, like um, which clubs would you want to have in the first league? Um, and if you look at it, the clubs um, that appear are always the clubs that used to be successful, that used to be big, that used to be the ones in the first league. But, you know, they didn't work well. Uh, they made bad decisions and that got them relegated to the second and maybe the third or even the fourth league. And other clubs worked well. And now they're in the first league. And um, if there's fans out there that think doing their homework is boring. I mean, you got those kids at school and you got them in the league. I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, but, but there's one point, um, I, I think, where uh, critics have a point. And it's, um, in, in a way, um, Mainz is not, not able to, to fill the stadium, as most of the clubs are uh, doing nowadays. I've, I've seen a, a list uh, uh, some days ago that only five games this season were sold out in Mainz. Is the stadium just too big or is it is there something else wrong with the stadium or is the competition in the area too high because you, uh, Frankfurt is close and, and Darmstadt is also close. So, so what's the problem here? Well, first of all, I think um, Mainz is not uh, the only club in the league um, that has problems with that. But it's a problem that the people at the club are uh, well aware of and um, that they've been uh, trying to tackle in different, uh, sometimes well, well, funny ways <laughs> over the past years. Um, I think um, if you look at the area, and you mentioned that already, um, Mainz um, has been late to the party talking about the first league. I mean, uh, you used to have uh, the um, Erste FC Kaiserslautern. Of course, there's Eintracht Frankfurt. And um, those are, especially Frankfurt is a really big city. If you look at the, the size of Mainz and the people living in Mainz, and if you take into consideration that a huge chunk of these people are students who pass through um, the like 27,000, I think roundabout um, is, is an okay number. Like, if I look at it, would I wish for more people to go there? Yes, of course. Would I wish for more people to travel uh, to the uh, to the stadiums uh, with a team? Yes, of course. But it's, it's really um, always been that way. And if you look at the numbers and how they evolved 
um, from the years that the team had in the second leagues, and I'm going to say in the years, of course, before the club main year, um, it's quite all right, I think. Uh, Ma, before we let you go, how strange was it watching that final game of the season? I mean, Mainz were praised by many neutrals for putting in one of their best performances. Unfortunately for Dortmund, it came at the very last game of the season when Dortmund needed uh, to beat them and Mainz got a, a very good 2-2 draw and perhaps should have even won the game. Uh, were you a little bit conflicted watching that game, knowing that Mainz's good performance was was handing or did a uh, played a part in in giving the title to to Bayern as opposed to Dortmund? We know about the good relationship between uh, Dortmund and Mainz uh, from the club and perhaps also the Tuchel days. How was that for you? I wasn't conflicted um, because uh, if you look at the season as a whole. Um, Dortmund had so many chances to win. Um, I would have, uh, you know, cheered for them if they'd won uh, the league. Um, but uh, the last game against Mainz really wasn't the problem. And if you want to look at just one game, if Mainz hadn't won against Bayern Munich, Dortmund wouldn't even have uh, wouldn't have even had the chance on that last day. So I wasn't conflicted at all because I knew it was essential for Mainz 05 to not go out of that season with another loss so all I wanted was for them to win the game and that's that I was I felt sorry for Dortmund but they did that to themselves that's not Mainz 05's short, uh, fault <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's a it's a good point with the uh, with, with, uh, that you mentioned this win against Bayern that uh, that put Borussia in the position uh, to win the title Yeah, Mara, thanks a lot uh, for being with us. Uh, we appreciate it very much and uh, hope to hear from you in the future. Always a pleasure and I love the name of your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that's it for part two of our Beer and Honey Bundesliga review preview. Um, we'll be back with part three next Monday. Until such time, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support, especially. You are well aware that we need a bit more support, a bit more, um, a few more members, and especially ultras. If you can, you'll be doing us a massive favor if you sign up for the Beer and Honey Ultra Package. It includes a wonderful exclusive mug. Uh, best place to go to is www.steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey but you'll also find us through our social media output um, do sign up if you can thank you very much in advance I was Rafael Honigstein I was Christoph Biermann and we say bye 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 beer and honey the German football podcast <laughs>